Shabbat Shalom. You know, we talk a lot about how uh, attention spans are, are lessening these days. You know, oh, the news used to be an hour and now it's a TikTok video or whatever. And uh, BuzzFeed gets everything into lists of 10 and we just, you know, everything's shortened and shortened and shortened. Uh, BuzzFeed is something your parents used to look at online, all right? But we look in the Torah today and we see that thousands of years ago, God was already shortening things for the human attention span, knowing that not everyone's going to pay attention to all 613 commandments. So God's like, fine, I'm going to give you a top 10. And these are the important ones. We're going to start with these. And you can imagine as Moshe, as the Midrash straight tells us, Moses is sitting there, he's transcribing, he's writing as God's telling him, you know, these are the commandments. You sort of imagine Moshe as he did, thinking like, you know, commandment one, I am the Lord your God. That makes sense. Without that, why are we doing the rest of this? Okay, going through, you know, we're getting, oh, don't have other gods. Yeah, I got to protect your turf. I get it. Okay, we keep going through. Moses, you know, we get to the don't kill and, you know, don't steal. And that makes a lot of sense. Moses probably knew those were coming already. And then you get to the 10th commandment. And God says, don't covet. Don't want the stuff that your fellow has. And you always imagine Moshe in that moment kind of pausing and saying, like, really, God? That's, that's what you're going to use in the 10 right there? You didn't want to maybe put, like, I don't know, Something more important, uh, don't, uh, don't, don't uh, cut people off in traffic. I don't know what annoys you, right? Don't. But no, God says, this is it. This is the 10th tenth, the tenth commandment. It's got to be in the top 10. Do not covet the things that your fellow has. Don't want, don't, tachmod means literally to sort of find appealing or desirable the things which your fellow has. And it's such an odd commandment that many of our traditional medieval commentaries, when they start the comment on this verse, begin by saying, you know, everyone always asks me about this one, <laughs> right? Or people wonder why this one is here and what's going on. The commentaries try to explain why this is such an important thing, that don't covet, don't have this desire, gets into the top 10 commandments. But if you look at the Torah that we've been reading from now on, it actually makes a little bit of sense. Because basically, every generation, the problem that our ancestors have gotten into has been about jealousy and covetousness. Cain and Abel get into their whole kerfuffle because Abel, it's called murder, that, that <laughs> because Abel's sacrifice is taken and Cain's is rejected. Sarah and Hagar's jealousy over one another, perhaps Ishmael's jealousy over Isaac, begins that schism that we are still dealing with to this day. Jacob and Esau coveting, Jacob coveting Esau's blessing, wanting it, stealing it from him. The actions that go into that creates the problems that they face. Joseph and his brothers, the story we just finished, is all about the problems of coveting, of wanting that which your brother has and that you don't. When read in the context of the generations of the Torah, of course this is a mitzvah that God puts at the top ten. God's like, guys, this has to stop. We have to be careful of our desires. And by the way, it doesn't really seem to work. 
even after it gets put into the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, I believe, as our Chazan referred to today. Because we see moving forward in the Torah, these problems continue again and again and again. David and Bathsheba, etc. So we can see that we might need a little bit of legislation about our desires and wanting that which other people have and we don't. But at the same time, we probably in this room as well as many of our commentaries ask a question which I'm sure you're thinking of right now, which is how on earth, God, could you expect to make this command? We have a principle that the Torah only makes commands that people are actually able to do. And you're telling me I can't see, uh, I, I don't like cars, a lim, lim, Maserati, that's a good car, right? I can't, see, I can't see a Maserati drive by and think I like that car. That's a problem? You're trying to legislate my views and my emotions in this moment? God, how well has that worked out for you in the past? Do we really think that you can do this? So our commentaries try to figure out, well, what could God actually be saying? Because with one exception, Sefer HaChinuch, a medieval uh, uh, list of all of the commandments, says exactly this, that the commandment is, no, you're supposed to not want stuff. And if you can make that happen, you're a better person than I. But that's the goal, says Sefer HaChinuch. Really, just do not look at something else and say that you want it. That's what this command is about. But most of the other commentaries understand that that is implausible, impractical, if not impossible. And try to think of what really is going on here. So Sforno, one of our traditional commentaries, says the problem isn't that you shouldn't desire something. right? Everyone is going to want stuff if you look around. But the problem is... If you desire something that you can only obtain through illegal schemes, right? That's the problem. So it's not just, oh, look, that's a nice car over there. It's if you want that car and you're now devising a way that you're like, okay, I'm going to pretend to run out of gas so that they loan me the car and then I'm going to get in and I'm going to drive away. And that singing it was all by design because I'm a mastermind. It was my, thank you for the three people who got my Taylor Swift reference. The whole point is, according to Sforno, that it's about what we do with the desire. Right? And it's about channeling a desire towards avenues in which we could actually obtain that which we want, not things where we would have to do something illegal to get that which we want. Okay. Ibn Ezra says, no. And he goes to a very meta place with this. He says that the problem with coveting something is that you're going against God's plan. According to Ibn Ezra, God has apportioned for everyone the amount of stuff that we're going to get in our lives. Whether that's material wealth or, 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 or position of, of uh, power, whatever it is, right? God has sort of said, okay, this is what you're going to have and this is what you're going to have and this is what you're going to have. And by wanting something more, you are at worst going against God's design, at, or at best, and at worst, as Ibn Ezra, you are actually denying the existence of God by coveting something. I know. That's a big deal. So Ibn Ezra says this is actually the fundamental position of believing God in the universe is not wanting something. And again, I think it's a beautiful way of looking at something. It does not seem particularly practical to me. Nor does it jive with most of what I know about the rest of our tradition, which asks us to, in fact, 
try to increase our own ability to do good in the world, to increase our position in the world, to try to make things better in the world. We do not often take ourselves to be a pietistic religion that simply wants you to just be with whatever you have and not want anything more. So Ibn Ezra doesn't quite strike me as something that works here. Now later rabbi, and don't worry the last one I'm quoting here, the Maggid of Zolchow, uh, an early uh, Hasidic rabbi from the 18th century, so he points out that God ends the list of Ten Commandments with the one that it takes to do all the rest. Because what he says is if you, the, the roots of all these other things, of going after false gods, of murder, of stealing, of bearing false witness, of not doing Shabbat, all of that, the root, is overly desiring something, of wanting material things, so much so that you then violate other commands. So the Maggid of Zolchel says that the problem here, what, what this mitzvah of do not covet says, is that this is something that we should do in order to not lead us into further wrong action. We should mitigate our own desires, because otherwise we're going to lead into trouble. And whether we take coveting to be a prohibition against scheming or denying the fundamental goodness of the world or, or to deny the existence of God or to not lead us into wrong action, it's still a problem for us today. The idea of desire as something that can lead us astray exists for us in the macro, in the micro. It exists for us in the large and the small. I could argue it, unchecked desire unchecked need, unchecked greed, is that which is destroying our world today in more ways than one. We live in a world of unsustainable consumption. We live in a world where we, we give primacy to our own self and our own what we want. And it's reinforced by many of the things around us. Algorithms that are basically little coveting robots that try to figure out exactly what we want and then show it to us again and again and again. You know, you look at one ad for something and then it's all over. Everything you have for the rest of the month is trying to sell you, you know, flowers for Valentine's Day or whatever it is. Don't, don't forget flowers. And it fits into something that's very real and deep in all of us. Uh, he's not in the room, so I will tell this story. My son, who's seven, was uh, doing, you know, like a behavior modification thing, and he did right behavior for a month. So he said, you can go to this store, and you can pick out anything that you want. That's the reward that you get. And so we walk into the store, and we say, you can pick anything that you want in the store. And he looks around, and he bursts into tears. And my wife says to him, you know, what's, Aldo, what's wrong? And he says, I'm upset because I can't have everything. <laughs> right? Which, which we sort of fundamentally understand, right? That there's a lot of cool and good things in the world, and our nature is that we want it for ourselves, or we hyper-focus on one thing. And I can remember when I was... 10, there was a Hanukkah present that I really, really wanted. Like, so badly, I really, really wanted. It was a model of the Bridge of the Enterprise, but don't worry, I'm cool. <laughs> and I was so nervous that I wasn't going to get it. I was like, 
I, I remember the pain in the pit of my stomach that I was worried I wasn't going to get it. So much so I was freaking out about this that my parents reversed the, normally we did the big gift at the end of Hanukkah and they gave it to me on the first night so that I would calm down because I was so upset by it. And I can remember the feeling of the pain of if I wasn't going to get this thing and I really didn't like it and never wanted to feel that way again. But covetousness, this desire, is something like weeks ago we spoke about how cruelty can take heart in the person, so too can desire. And when we want something and we have no checks or parameters on it, that desire can take hold in us and it can lead us into bad places. So what's the answer to this? Is the answer, like Sefer Chinuch says, that we should just get rid of all of our desire? I don't think so. First of all, because it doesn't seem possible. Second of all, because we already tried it once. The rabbis in the Talmud tell a story about a town that decided, you know what? The Yetzirah, the evil inclination, is so bad, we don't want it anymore. We just do not want desire to be a part of our lives. And they prayed that God would help them get rid of desire. And so God did. Right? God turned desire into a fiery lion. We can talk about what that metaphor means later. And they capture the lion and they put it in a cage. And so desire is gone from the world. And what do they find? No one has anything to eat. Because eggs, the hens won't lay eggs, right? There's things won't grow. We need desire in our lives in order to build, in order to create. That's an okay thing for us to do. We cannot just completely remove it from us. So then, without desire, without a little bit of wanting, even wanting what others have, the world would stagnate because we wouldn't want to try and invent things. So in many ways, this is a question of our time today. Our society wants to essentially put desire at the top of the list of things that we should focus on and care about. You do you is the watchword of the day. There was recently an article uh, in The Atlantic by uh, Tyler Austin Harper wrote that our culture has essentially declared that the best possible thing is a form of what he called therapeutic libertarianism. The belief that self-improvement is the ultimate goal of life and that no formal or informal constraints, whether imposed by states, faith systems, or people, should impede each of us from achieving personal growth. This rings true to me, to be fair. And I think about the panoply of expression and growth that individuals in our world today are allowed to have, and that is incredible. And I think about the many life-saving uh, <clears throat> sorry, and superior boxes that we were, some were forced to be in before and now they don't have to be, that's good. However, we Jews know that service to self is not all that there is. Far from it. Service to our fellow, service to our world, service to our Lord are required of us and often at the expense of our personal desires. So the Tenth Commandment then is not in my mind a call to end desire, or a call to avoid complimenting someone else's stuff. It's a call to remember that other people exist. The Ten Commandments, as it goes through, begins with God, and around the Fifth Commandment shifts to thinking about other people, and it ends with thinking about the entire world around us. Because to say that you shouldn't covet what other people have, 
is a call for empathy. It's a call to think about other people, what they have, how they got it, and say, good for you. You have that Maserati. Good for you. You still have a full head of hair. That's my main stumbling block to jealousy. It's about appreciating what others have, but appreciating that they exist as well, and that whatever they have belongs to them. Rabbi Eliezer Diamond says that the opposite of covetousness is humility. Being, being overly covetous is to say that that thing that you have should in fact be mine. And that's what we shouldn't do. The Tenth Commandment asks us to know that there are other people around us with wants and desires and needs, and that sometimes in our need to be with them, we have to limit our own. And that's okay. Because all these commands begin from the fifth onwards, you start talking about other people. That, that you should do, the, the days of your life shall be lengthened on the world. That the society shall exist. Because without this, we can't all live together. We can't have a society. So of course this goes in the top ten. This might even be one of the most important commands in the Torah. And it certainly is important for all of us living in 2024 today. To remember that as we go about our day, other people are going about their day. To remember that as we have wants and needs and goals and desires, other people have wants and needs and goals and desires. To remember that sometimes for the betterment of others or the betterment of the whole, my desires might even need to take a back seat. And that that's okay. In fact, it's how we can do this together and how the days on our world can be lengthened. Please God. Shabbat Shalom.